0: You're listening to Once, Episode 220, Birth. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis.
1: I'm Jeremy Laughlin.
0: And we've rewatched this episode, Birth, and we will, for this episode of the podcast, only be talking about this episode, Birth. In the initial reactions, we said we might just altogether skip talking about The Bear King But there is some great stuff to talk about, so we'll have a separate episode.
1: (laughs) And then it would be like the lost episode of Once Upon a Time (laughs) or of Once Podcast, and that would just be weird.
0: Right. We are fans of the show, so why skip talking about an episode? We wouldn't
1: have skipped it if it hadn't been following birth, which was a tough act to follow.
0: Right. Exactly. Any any act is hard following birth, except for (laughs) Zelina, who apparently is great at doing anything after birth. (laughs) 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 So we will have an episode that you'll be able to enjoy for Thanksgiving, and that will be about the episode of Once Upon a Time, The Bear King, and that will release a couple days after this one, or it might be available by the time that you're listening to this right now. So we will have this separate discussion there, but there won't be any time for you to send your feedback in for that episode, because we'll be recording it almost right after we finish recording this episode. With that as clear as could be, yeah. I want to give props to Alina Harris, who sent in this feedback several weeks ago. This was on oh. the episode Dreamcatcher. Alina said, "What if Emma isn't the Dark One, and she's only pretending to be with Merlin's help because Hook is really the Dark One? She could be training Rumple to fight Hook because he is the only one who knew Hook the longest." The only reason I thought of this theory is because of what Merida said, all a man needs is a sword and one good hand. So it was Alina who had originally predicted in some way that Hook was actually a dark one.
1: Now, we talked about that feedback in another episode,
0: did we not? Right. That was in the episode Dreamcatcher. So
1: I'm going to have to go back and listen to what I said in response to that. Nobody else go listen. I think just me. I'll just go listen.
0: I think in general, we'd said something like, oh, that's that's really interesting theory. <laughs> and there seem to be some things that could support that. But I don't know. It seems kind of a stretch. And look at this. So great job, Alina, on that prediction. I wanted to give you the credit since you were the one that uh, said that. I'm sure in the forum, some other people had suggested it too. In fact, I know some others had. Alina was one who sent that in almost right away. She sends her feedback in very quickly. So Props to you, Alina, for sending that in You get to hear early. your
1: name and sound waves if you send in
0: your good theories early. So let's talk about this episode of Once Upon a Time Birth. And if you want to follow along in the show notes, they're at oncepodcast.com slash 220. And that's where you can also go to share this episode with all of your friends, families on Twitter and Facebook, Pinterest, and all of that kind of stuff. So it starts out back in the past with Emma bringing the AllSpark to Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> yes i loved how they froze the frame there and just froze everything with the key in mid-transition it's pretty creepy yeah
1: and i loved seeing granny's crossbow again
0: and not only granny had a crossbow in this episode but bell have we ever seen bell holding a weapon intending to use it
1: uh, i mean it depends on how you define weapon She uses books pretty well as weapons. I think she has used weapons, wielded weapons, one might say. I just can't remember any specific examples of when. I feel like she has, though. But in her case, I don't know where she got a crossbow, but I think they're pretty awesome. They should probably be around more. I don't know what she thought it was going to do against
0: Emma. Well, yeah. (laughs) Unless they put squid ink on it, but that's that's it. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. (laughs) So as Emma is then trying to light the flame, challenged by Merlin, and really Arthur speaking through Merlin, we learn about Operation Light Swan. (laughs) Yeah. Had they ever said Dark Swan, though? No, not Operation Dark Swan. Well, of course. But they have referred, someone did refer to Emma as the Dark Swan. Yeah. Zelina, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Henry always comes up with a little operation for things. So there have been, uh, and I'm not going to get them all here, but Operation Mongoose, Operation (laughs) uh, Cobra, (laughs) Operation Light Swan, and uh, other operations too. Well, that's a very silly name. (laughs) He's Even in his older age, not like he's an old man, but always coming up with operations. So Emma goes to rescue her family, and... I was thinking here of two things when Emma and Merlin have this little face off. One is definitely Harry Potter. I mean, how can you yeah, see that without thinking Harry Potter? If
1: you've seen even a trailer for Harry Potter, you're basically thinking Harry
0: Potter. And then the other thing I was thinking of is if you've seen Harry Potter, then also look up how Harry Potter should have ended on oh, YouTube. Gosh. And you'll recognize they make fun of a very similar thing. I'm pointing my wand as hard as I can. That's basically what Emma and Merlin were doing, is pointing their hands as hard as they can.
1: There was so much happening in their minds that you don't know about. Speaking of their magic, though, we saw Emma's little weird ribbon magic again. and she, That little trick she pulled on Zelina with the box and the spark and how she opened it and it all came flying out and pinned her to the tree. It was sort of like, you know, those little pranks when you were a kid is like you open the box and or a can and the spring that looks like a snake pops out. It was like that. Yeah. I don't know how Emma trapped a little bit of magic inside that box or why that made Zelina incapable of poofing them until she was, I guess, Arthur cut the magic ribbons and then they could poof. He did cut
0: them. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) Zelina has to be able to use her full gesture of her hand in order to poof.
1: Maybe. It's a good thing, speaking of poof, (laughs) that Merlin decided to use some tricky, tricky vines to kill snow. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, he could have probably just turned her to dust or maybe to actual snow. That would have been weird. But there wouldn't have been time to save her then. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they needed time to save her, needed time to do something dramatic looking, I guess. And maybe he was also trying to buy time a little bit.
1: So that maybe he could overpower or, or someone could stop him.
0: Emma could stop him. Yeah. yeah. Now that he could overpower the darkness is really the interesting part of this scene. Well, it wasn't, Did <sighs>
1: is that how she said it? Was he overpowering darkness? Because it's not darkness that was making him do it.
0: It was just Arthur tethering him to the sword. True. But Arthur was getting him to do something dark. And I think the whole tethering him to the sword seemed to make darkness because later on it was alluded to that by Emma's tethering Hook to the sword, that that would transfer the darkness from Merlin to Hook. And we saw the darkness come out of Merlin. Yeah. But he's never given over to the darkness.
1: Yeah, that's a whole discussion for that scene because
0: I don't understand. Right. So the the main thing here is that he's overpowering the will of the person using the tethering device.
1: Right. Which is supposed to be impossible. I can I can buy that he can do it.
0: We've seen people fight against it before, but I don't think we've ever seen someone actually succeed in going against the will of the person wielding the dagger Mm -hmm. no that is correct so it's nice to know that yeah, someone can overpower it and if it's going to be anyone yeah sure merlin and it was in this little brief exchange when hook got out very clever of him popping his hook off like that (laughs) that that's when he got the cut on his neck because the first time i watched the episode i was thinking wait where did that cut come from was that a few episodes ago Mm. it's hard to make that connection because this brief scene where he goes and stops merlin merlin does swing the sword but it looks like merlin clearly missed hook and Mm. then right after that is when hook has the cut on his neck
1: and they kind of looked at it but it
0: seemed like it was nothing and that's when emma healed it a little bit and see
1: i didn't even notice her doing that either time we watched it
0: yeah and he said it, it didn't even sting. He's had worse scratches uh, by worse cuts by scratching his nose yes. with the wrong hand. and thank you for saying scratching because he definitely said itching. <laughs> so it makes sense now, rewatching this episode that it because this was excalibur that cut him even though it was a little cut and emma even alluded to that later she said it was just a little cut Mm -hmm. it's because it was excalibur that this cut made a big difference all that emma's healing power really did is postpone the inevitable until the dark one magic would be undone apparently by the joining of the swords or the blades
1: or until excalibur was at full strength again by being joined because simply right. rejoining Excalibur doesn't do anything to the dark one power. That's true.
0: Which then starts but she to didn't make actually
1: Yeah, she didn't actually rejoin the pieces of Excalibur. She was just starting to. Yeah. And that's when it happened. <laughs> so. it,
0: now it could be just a mere matter of timing. Like maybe Uh-oh. Emma's healing him was simply like putting a bandage on a broken leg. Mm -hmm. You're not really fixing it. You're just making it look a little nicer.
1: It just happened to go right at that moment for dramatic emphasis. Right. Because (laughs) by
0: the time that then Hook is bleeding profusely, the cut looks horrible. It looks gross. Yeah. It's nothing compared to what looked like a simple shaving cut Mm -hmm. from earlier.
1: A shaving cut. So
0: maybe all of this time it's just been getting worse and worse and it's at that moment when the power of Excalibur's destruction or the damage on him just overcame the little spell that Emma did and that's when it started bleeding profusely and all of that. But the point is, that happened here. Yes. He was dead man walking. Aww. Then, as everyone, you know, every after party... (laughs) (laughs) Always goes to Granny's. Well,
1: it's basically headquarters.
0: Yeah. It is. Party headquarters, planning headquarters, recovery headquarters.
1: Sometimes it's Regina's office, but sometimes she's evil, and sometimes it's a little too pretentious, so they go to Granny's. Because you gotta eat, really. And you can't do that at Regina's office.
0: (laughs) I thought the whole Regina and Emma thing outside was really special. uh, Up until that point, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I think the dagger thing was a little weird, but out of it, we did get the line, as your friend, I command you. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a tough love thing. I didn't think it needed to be interrupted. Mm-hmm. I was actually on Regina's side. Can you believe it?
0: Yeah, it, it was maybe a little too tough, but I really can't appreciate that Regina was coming out and saying, look, you got issues. We need to deal with mm-hmm. these issues. This is going to be painful. I'm sorry it's going to be painful, but And for someone to do that shows a big level of trust Mm -hmm. on the other person that they're not going to lash out in vengeance or revenge against feeling uncomfortable or anything like that. But it shows a great maturity in their relationship, a maturity that's kind of flipped later on in the episode when it's highlighted that Regina goes back to calling Emma Miss Swan Mm -hmm. and no longer Emma because Emma wasn't acting like Emma.
1: Yeah. Although... That particular moment lost a little something simply because they've already done that.
0: Right. And in case you're wondering, a little something that we lost for this particular episode is Erin was not able to join us. And that's why you haven't been hearing her voice this whole time. (laughs) That is why. But she'll be back on the podcast soon. She's just doing some traveling and unavailable for the podcast. So good travels to Aaron, and also good travels to you if you are traveling for the American holiday of Thanksgiving or Christmas <laughs> or any holiday that's coming up or already past. we hope that you have a great time with your friends and family and they don't hold a dagger to you and command you as your friend to do something
1: unless you really need it actually that takes a different connotation if you just talk about a random person holding a dagger to you that's different
0: as your friend I command you give me your wallet carve the turkey which would make a great transition to asking for donations i'm not going to do that right now
1: wow we don't hold any daggers to our wonderful donors
0: every conversation between hook and emma in this episode i think was beautiful like the vulnerability the transparency the depth of the conversation yet some of the stuff that happens in storybrook not quite as beautiful but i think beautifully written certainly mhm
1: the only thing that threw me i was a little confused about the her reasoning she said that she was afraid she didn't want to let go of the darkness because that's when her future with hook would begin and i thought sure with the lead up she gave that she was going she was getting more at she wouldn't be able to protect him because when she's had love they've all died Which frankly, given the end of the episode, I think is a reasonable fear for her. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was going to be the reason that she didn't want to give it up is that she wanted to, she felt like if they were going to have a future, she needed more power to protect him. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what she said exactly. But yeah, it was very nicely, all of the little relationship moments were very nicely written in this episode, I thought.
0: My advice to Hook is if you love her. Put a ring on her. Don't just give her her a ring.
1: See, this is once upon a time. I'm now imagining a gigantic enchanted ring that's just sort of around her.
0: I don't want to be too moralizing, but I don't like that they're saying that, oh, this future, our future together is to move in together. Oh, yeah. I've always
1: kind of thought that even the term when people are all excited about, let's move in, it's like, well so you' you're just not sure <laughs> that is how i you know that 's how I take it and we have our reasons
0: and I know that's you know extremely popular in the mm-hmm. culture I understand that and they're trying to make it reflect the culture, but I think there's also something that a responsibility I think writers of shows and movies often forget is that these characters become heroes to mm-hmm. people, so as heroes, sure show them as relatable, but I think also show them as respectable and a little bit higher of a moral standard something that people can look up to mm. and be inspired by but that's that's enough of that little soapbox yeah for me.
1: <laughs> yeah if nothing else regardless of what you believe about it it's sort of like well it's never sounded romantic to me when someone said move in with me cuz you can move right back out it's not really a commitment there
0: so then as they are all together and starting to fix Excalibur. That's when we learn more about the kind of damage that Excalibur can actually do. And it does make me wonder, has Arthur ever used Excalibur to harm someone? Probably not, because Arthur's use of Excalibur seems limited to just pulling it partially out of the (laughs) sheath.
1: He was just always, oh, he was just afraid. I mean, he never wanted to show you in the broken end of it. So he's like, Look, there's this is Excalibur totally, the whole sword in this sheath and scabbard thing. I will never show it to you. Don't make me use this. It's so powerful. I just won't take it all the way out. I'll just keep it right here. It's all you need to see.
0: Now, I know in, in the initial reactions, I said, Why was it that Emma suddenly changed into her dark swan form after she? Uh, tethered hook to the sword. Mm-hmm. But that goes in line with what Merlin had actually said here in this scene in Granny's. He said that tethering hook to the sword would be her final step to Dark. So that was n- not a murder for her, but it was that thing that then, because she did that, that is what transformed her. But why? Yeah, Yeah, why? I don't know.
1: Yeah, so this is that whole thing. And for once, I kind of wish Regina had stood in the middle of a room and just sort of explained all the technical details. She she only gave us one detail, which was that the dagger could make her look but not force her to see the truth. But in this situation, I don't understand anything that happened. I thought I did when I watched it the first time, but watching it this time? I mean, we talked about how we didn't understand the darkness coming out of Merlin because he wasn't dark. And what I thought Emma said was, I can untether you from the sword and tether Hook to it, and then you can save Hook. And I don't understand why, if he wasn't being controlled, Merlin had to be untethered from the sword in order to help, number one. Number two, in order for Merlin to help Hook, why did Hook have to be tethered to the sword? So, that's two. Number three, why did tethering hook to Excalibur cause him to become a dark one when tethering never had anything to do with the power or transferring it or anything? And number three, You're four, four, four. I on four. Number four, why, when Merlin had never been tethered to a thing before, did changing that cause something to happen to him we still don't actually know what but perhaps a loss of his power and number five does emma really have the power to do that because you'd think that if she did Rumplestiltskin stiltskin would have done some pretty crazy stuff in the past with tethering and who knows what
0: well to answer that number five Of course, five he has thing. to have
1: Excalibur, so he yeah. yeah. didn't
0: have that before. He didn't have that, and he didn't have the Flame of Prometheus, because Emma did say she would use the Flame of Prometheus oh, in order to do that and to do the tethering. But I definitely agree on your number three. That's something that really gave me uh, trouble with this episode, that everything we've seen before this about creating Dark Ones and stuff seemed entirely consistent that it came from the dagger Mm -hmm. And Excalibur in some way. And I was even okay, the more I thought about it, okay with the thought of it being possible for Arthur to tether Merlin to Excalibur because Merlin got his magic from Excalibur's former state. So I was okay Mm -hmm. with the thought of, okay, someone can be tethered to the object from which they got their power. And And at the very
1: least, they've shown Zelina to be pretty powerful, so if Merlin could do it, maybe there's a chance Zelina could do it too with the right recipe, so to speak. Right. I still find that doubtful, but at least out of all of them, she's the one they've shown to be sort of perhaps on the top of the magic power chain other
0: than Merlin. And remember, Zelina was also tethered because her body was destroyed, but her life continued on because of her being tethered to that little necklace and then going back and uh, all oh, of that that's that interesting. brought her to today that's not quite the same tethering as we have here but yeah all of this so bringing that to hook being tethered to the sword that's where things totally break yeah i think yeah the other stuff <laughs> i actually am okay with the other tetherings but this one i They should have found a way to make him
1: drink something off of Excalibur. Yeah. (laughs) That I almost would have believed more. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as long as the liquid touches Excalibur, yeah. And then he drinks it. He'll, He'll get power, I guess, though. Like, yeah, it's strange. I don't think I totally understand the mechanics of this. But it apparently makes two dark ones. For the price of one. Yeah. Sort of. Now their names are on Excalibur together. Isn't that cute? So
0: he's the Dark One in Camelot then. And he seems to be a somewhat menacing Dark One. Seems to
1: be only based on a scowl and a three weeks later threatening statement made against
0: Emma. And Zelina seems to know something about maybe what else he did. And I love Mm -hmm. now the connection that you brought out that uh, it was probably Dark One Hook who scared Merlin while he was making the voicemail, right? (laughs) And, And that makes total sense now. And so my thought is that especially when you look at all of the negative emotion that Hook has been expressing over the last several episodes and how he's been losing his temper and being extremely impatient with people and irritable, I could see that him as the dark one is a nightmare for people. Because here is someone that is coming to the Dark One with all of this darkness already that they've worked very hard to hold back, but that comes out every now and then still. Whereas look at all of the other Dark Ones that we know about, Mm -hmm. and they've been, uh, I'm going to make a somewhat slightly incorrect philosophical statement here, but they've been (laughs) essentially good people, good citizens, I'll put it that way. They've been good citizens. Rumpelstiltskin, a coward, yes, but a good citizen. We don't know about Zoso. We don't know about uh, Gorgon. We don't know about any of the other Dark Ones other than Nimue. And she was a good citizen, Hmm. as far as we know. But here, Hook has not been a good citizen. He's been a rebel. He's been a villain. Yes, he has uh, repented of that mostly. But it's a constant battle for him. And he said it's taken him centuries to overcome the darkness. Yeah. And now he's the dark one. So I think all of that darkness that's been welled up inside him is now coming out. And then he's terrorizing the countryside.
1: You know, it's interesting. This is (laughs) however it worked. It's the exact thing that Emma saved Regina from. Only she did it to Hook. Mm -hmm. To save his life. Yeah, but did she save his life? Is this his life, if he's now a dark one? Well, he does get to live. That's one perk. I think Regina but- should just erase their memories, and then neither one of them have to remember that they're dark ones at all. Then <laughs> they'll be fine.
0: Well, that's really why I think Emma erased their memories. <laughs> is- <laughs> I don't think it should work that way, if you're wondering about that tone. but um. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I came up with this theory last night while I was sleeping. Oh, but not gosh. while I was sleeping, but just before I was sleeping, <laughs> yeah. that it just hit me. Wow, I think I know why Merlin isn't in Storybrooke. Oh, we've seen him in Camelot up oh. until this point, and I don't think this was his death here. No, the, no, the I don't darkness so leaving him. No, but I think that Merlin saw what was happening, worked with Emma on what to do, and Merlin cast the curse or did whatever it was that sent everyone back to Storybrooke. But his doing so meant sacrificing his life. Hmm. So Merlin gave his life to save everyone else. He's probably just a tree now in a field of middle mist flowers. Probably. And in that field of middle mist flowers, oh, what a what beautiful conversation <laughs> between Hook and Emma. I mean, And I felt like crying every time I was watching it, hearing Emma saying... That's not good enough for me. And yes, there's some selfishness there, certainly. A lot of selfishness. But also a lot of beautiful love and pain. Like I said earlier, the conversations between Hook and Emma in this episode have been beautifully written. And this scene in the field of Middle Mist Flowers, certainly no exception. But you know what else is beautifully written? (laughs) That is the notes from our kind heroes and the donations and the support that they give us episode after episode keeping the podcast going so i would love to thank our heroes for this episode david newland lisa slack and our 29 heroes on patreon thank you so much for keeping the podcast going helping to cover the expenses of running the podcast and supporting it month after month We really appreciate the support. And you hear those names in particular, David and Lisa, quite frequently because they donate quite frequently to support the (laughs) podcast. And they are big heroes to the podcast. So thank you very much for your kind contributions and all of our heroes on Patreon as well. Now, if you haven't been a hero to the podcast or if you'd like to be, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. You have a couple basic options over there. One is become our hero On Patreon. That's where you can contribute a certain amount every single month and it's on automatic charge pay by PayPal or credit card over there and you can set it to be whatever amount that you want. Certainly we're very grateful for larger amounts but we're grateful for even smaller amounts like a dollar per month or three dollars per month. It's up to you or go over there to oncepodcast.com slash hero and do your Christmas shopping after you click on our Amazon buttons over there and as long as you do your christmas shopping within 24 hours of clicking on our link then that supports the podcast it gives a little bit back of your purchase to us and it doesn't cost you anything extra and then you still get to save money by shopping on amazon which has great prices on a lot of things i just ordered some stuff from amazon recently at superior fabulous prices wow (laughs) but all of those options for you to support the podcast and be a hero are over at oncepodcast.com slash hero and thank you for your support you knight in shining armor you oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) Wow. or you beautiful princess you (laughs) i mean princesses could be knights in shining armor too
1: or or a princess in
0: shining armor yeah moving on to talking about storybook in the present all three weeks later yeah So time is catching up, and the three weeks make sense because we are, at the time that we saw this episode, we're three weeks away from the mid-season winter finale. So it's going to be that winter finale, I think, that we'll see what actually happened in Camelot, and then there will be some kind of cliffhanger in Or we'll
1: see that the
0: week before, and then have to deal with it in the winter finale. That could be too. But they've so far been following pretty much real time. And even with this little gap that we have, since they aired two episodes on the same night, in order to make space the following week for the American Music Awards. And do keep that in mind that on Sunday, November 22nd, there will be no episode of Once Upon a Time. And Thanksgiving is that week after. So that actually works out nicely for us. We do really appreciate that little break. So we get to have Thanksgiving in America with our family and friends. But then once upon a time, we'll be back on November 29th and then again on December 6th. And that is the mid-season winter finale on Sunday, December 6th. But bringing this back to Storybrooke, Arthur and Guinevere are having this nice little date in their tent Just nice. And then Charming comes in. Okay. This whole scene,
1: they get out of the truck and they loudly outside the tent. like, that's Arthur's tent. I'm going in first, And he just gets his gun out. I don't understand what was happening. This whole thing, he kind of walks in. I've basically thought that the three of them were all pulling to David. They were supposed to secure the tent, like the perimeter of the, I mean, it's a tent. At least Arthur did a smart thing.
0: Yeah. He
2: just
1: cut outside the side of the tent. I've always wondered how people got cornered in tents. You shouldn't be able to.
0: You just cut your way out. And why did he run? Other than being found out, it seemed like he w- decided to run when they asked about Nemo Uh Ah, well, he was also being confronted
1: about everything. Yeah. You know what was great about his running too? Totally just left Guinevere to just <laughs> get arrested or whatever. I don't know if you call it arrested at that point anymore. It's more like just captured. Yeah. Detained. I don't know. They're mixing worlds. Uh, so, so David and the boys were all kind of pulling a David and sort of not catching Arthur. But then he pulls an Arthur and trips over the tree when he jumps. And then Emma pulled an Emma and saved Hook. It was good. But you think he ran because they mentioned Nimue?
0: Yeah. When they mentioned Nimue, Guinevere looked at him. Now, that could just be the look of, who's Nimue? Or... Or, why don't oh. I have any lines in this episode? But... It was at the mention of Nemoe that he decides to run. That's when Guinevere gets up. That's when he starts positioning himself to flip the table and run. Yeah. So, what does he know about Nemoe and how? Because Nemoe was long before his time. And she's so gone. Like, we totally know what happened to her.
1: I mean, I assume we do. She well, couldn't we, still be. Whoa. We
0: don't know how she ended. I'm saying ended specifically mm-hmm. instead of died because there's that chance that maybe she didn't actually die or...
1: Yeah, here's what I don't weird. want to happen because there are, they've already been doing it. They established the legacy of one person kills the Dark One with the dagger becomes the Dark One. But I was going to say we've seen her in Emma's head... She had to have died as the Dark One. But guess what? We've also seen Stiltskin in her head, and he's not dead. So could she be somewhere? I mean, it'd be kind of dumb to me, honestly, if the first Dark One had the darkness removed successfully and was somehow hundreds of years later still alive. But they're all saying, where's Nimoy? Well, where can she be? I mean, she can't be anywhere.
0: Wherever or whatever she is. (laughs) I think Arthur knows.
1: Maybe. Hmm. But then hmm. as they're
0: in the woods, Emma shows up and with Excalibur whole, which that was awesome just seeing Arthur staring down Excalibur <laughs> on the wrong end of <laughs> Excalibur. Right. Well,
1: I think he's always been on the wrong end of Excalibur.
0: But Emma said that the sword can't control her anymore or can't control anyone. It can't anymore.
1: control anyone, which is a blatant lie. Do you think, think so? Well, their names are both on it. Yeah. One would think that anyone who had it could control both of them, Hook and Emma.
0: Otherwise, what's the point of having their name on it and this apparent tethering to it? You're either tethered or you're not. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Unless she was, maybe that was her name marked out as well. I don't think it was. Her name was still on the dagger end. Right. So the glamour wasn't hiding her name. So I guess it's not controlling her if she's holding it. Maybe that's what she was meaning. But I still think she was kind of lying.
0: Yeah, and probably. Because she still didn't want Hook to know at that point in the episode. Hook right. Hook didn't know. And she said that she's doing all of this for him, which makes me think of the couple pop songs that we've heard referenced <laughs> in this episode. Working my way back to you and only you. <laughs> Kind of tie in with that idea of I'm doing this all for you to win you back. You mean that they are love you. songs
1: and Emma and Hook are in fact in love?
0: That, but also <laughs> they're, they're both about uh, trying to win each other back oh. in, in a way and how, in, how much they need each other. Not just I need you, but it's kind of like I need you back sort of thing. Hmm. So it, it makes a little <laughs> bit more sense maybe why they chose those songs. Maybe there's even more that we'll learn soon.
1: When we get to that verse of Only You where they talk about like swords and daggers and darkness. <laughs> then yeah. we'll
0: know. Then we'll know. I do wonder with as much as we've seen Hook losing his temper in different places. Yeah. Especially here in Storybrook when he is the dark one. So back in Camelot, that doesn't really matter when he's losing his temper. But I'm talking about here when he <laughs> is the dark one. Yeah. Why hasn't anything magical happened?
1: Yes, I wondered that too. At first I thought, why didn't they make him any different? And then I realized, no, they did. He's been different. I said he was out of character. And then I realized that was all before they went to Camelot. The, yeah. Even in Storybrooke, that was, yeah, before the granny's twister. So no accounting for that still. But uh, yeah, something should have been happening to him, with him something should have been coming out
0: lights flickering nearby when he gets angry and black and white ribbons yeah i do really want to know whether they've hidden some other clues that he was the dark one like certain things happening he has been dressed in dark clothing for his
1: entire life
0: (laughs) yeah uh hmm would it be way
1: too cynical to wonder if they knew he would be a dark one at the beginning of the season I would like to
0: think that they did.
1: I would too. I feel like they at least plan out a story arc ahead, if not two, I think. I think it's all been there. I don't see how certain other plot elements would have made sense. Even if they, I don't think they even did the placeholder thing where they know someone's going to be a dark one, but they don't know who, because it just makes too much sense the way it is. Emma wouldn't behave the way that she's been behaving if it were someone else or something else that had happened. Right, So I think it all makes sense. It's just from the standpoint of Hook being a legit dark one. Maybe he's not. Maybe that's part of the point because we don't really understand how this happened and it makes not a whole lot of sense. So maybe
0: it's a diminished version. And it's not like the authors were being squeezed to come up with another episode of Once Upon a Time. <coughs> the Bear King. <coughs> but no, we'll just address that in our next episode of the podcast. <laughs> But I do think they had this in mind for a while and have been working toward this, which I think is really cool, unexpected. Working their way back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, it all comes back in. <laughs> Only you <laughs> would make that connection. <laughs> so Hook then goes to Gold Shop, where, sorry, Jeremy, there's no squid ink for you. I was really upset. <laughs> no, the second they started talking about squid
1: ink, I was... Already leery of the remainder of the episode, and my Twitter notifications started lighting up as people cried out in sympathy, knowing how I felt at the mention of Squid Ink.
0: But at least they're being
1: consistent with the rules of Squid Ink. This time, yes. Yeah. Which, it was a modification, which is the root of my objection to Squid Ink, because it was part of our original... Once upon a time lore. I mean, what was that? Episode three where they froze, Cinderella froze Rumpelstiltskin to capture him. The reason he was in the dungeon for Snow and Charming to talk to in the first place. It was all because he used an enchanted quill to sign. Right. And they did say it was enchanted. Yes. And then they went back. And he even, I believe, questioned where she got the quill, and was like, "Ooh, it's interesting. What a lovely quill!" And Wherever we even, did you get it, right? And we thought he wanted to be captured. He knew, he signed anyway, whether he did or not, none of that mattered. But then they went back in season two and they said, ah, no, it was the ink, it wasn't the quill. And I cried foul and I've never stopped. But then they started doing interesting things like finding Emma written in squid ink and they blow it off the page and it melts bars. And it's like, okay, you can do anything with squid ink.
0: But at least here... It's something we've seen them do. They went back to
1: the original... Even though it was a change, they said squid ink freezes, even the most powerful, even a dark one. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. They froze a dark one with squid ink. So it almost felt right. Almost. Yeah. I would have rather that they just like jabbed her with that quill, but (laughs) they use squid ink and that's all right.
0: I was wondering what's the significance of the snow globe that Rumpel was looking at? Oh, you gotta have a snow globe. And apparently Hook thinks so too, because <laughs> you didn't really see this. And it's clear that something must have been deleted or cut because Rumple was looking at the snow globe when Hook came in. Rumple puts it down. We never see Hook pick it up. But when Hook leaves Gold's shop, Hook is carrying the snow globe and shaking it in his hands as he's walking away, Hmm. which made me wonder if there's something significant about that, but something they had to cut a little bit or just... Didn't make sense, or something that might come into play somewhere else, or maybe it was just reminding us of season four, which I don't know why. <laughs> Reminded us of season four. After all, we did get nice reminders of other things in this episode.
1: We did. that even use the word island. imbued.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I did wonder whether Gold can recognize the Dark One inside of Hook. Hmm, that's interesting. He didn't seem to. But then again, the kinds of things that he was saying, I realized could go either way because he was focusing primarily on the fact that Hook should find out what Emma did. Mm -hmm. Nothing about you need to discover something about you. Yeah. What he recognized
1: in Emma was her regret. Yeah. And he said the key to finding out what's going on is finding out what she's atoning for, which was smart. Mm -hmm. Takes one to know
0: one, I guess. But does it take a dark one to know a dark one? Zelina somehow knew Hook was the dark one. Maybe she could feel it once the cuff was taken off?
1: I don't know. That confused me too. I wasn't sure how she came back inside knowing so much. Did she just happen to wander out and in that short of time find the right dream catcher and watch it and go, oh, that's what happened?
0: No, you know, that could have been it because she did come back with that dream Mm -hmm. catcher. So coming back to this, I'm thinking maybe Hook was not like glowing. Well, it wouldn't be glowing, but the opposite of glowing. <laughs> no, Zelina was glowing. In a way that, that Gold could detect it, especially since Gold is no longer magical at all. I don't think Gold knew because I don't think Hook knew. But he is also very experienced, very cunning. Yeah. Something to think about. And some of the stuff about regrets here reminded me a lot of the episode Desperate Souls. And how uh, you know dark ones recognize a desperate soul, or that's what Zoso had said, ah, uh, yes, yes. so yes. really, Hook needs to get on a different path. <laughs>
1: yeah, in retrospect, it makes some of the conversations between Hook and Emma in past episodes it puts them in a new light as they discuss whether it's still Emma, whether she's still in there, whether they can have a relationship. And he says that he can't see her. Well, now he can. In this episode, he did see that Emma's still in there. But uh, it's kind of interesting looking back. And from her perspective, she probably wants to say, you're a dark one too, and you're still you, and I still love you. Except instead she wants to kill Azelina and get the darkness out of both of them first so that she can say, there, I fixed what I did. Now I can tell you what I did.
0: Sorry. Don't Basically thank
1: me later. She's like, I wanted to fix it first.
0: Speaking of Zelina, <laughs> there was a cute moment. She's reading the story of Hansel and Gretel and the blind <laughs> witch, which nice reference to some characters from Forgotten Character Island. That's yes. these couple episodes that were back to back certainly brought us back to several characters from Forgotten Character Island. <laughs> Something that didn't quite sound right though. Uh huh. Is that Zelina was pregnant for two months. Yeah. Because they've been in Camelot for six weeks. Yep. And
1: that puts two weeks. I mean, two weeks. Like she hadn't just that day found out she was pregnant when she started taunting Regina from New York with it. So what, they've been back a week before Camelot? Does that make sense? Or Uh, just a
0: day maybe? And unless you're really trying to get pregnant, you probably don't know to check for a couple of weeks. Now I'm, I'm completely speaking from inexperience here because Jenny and I have not had kids yet. Um, so maybe like when we do have kids, I'll come back and say, you remember what I said about then? No, no. Jenny told me, you know, she starts feeling it right away or I don't know, but, um, Mary, and why do you take a pregnancy test every day? (laughs) Then again, maybe. (laughs) Maybe uh, Well, Zelina is like idolizing the baby. Yes, she is. So maybe Zelina was trying to get pregnant and she was checking it every day because she was so fixated on this, idolizing it, that she was checking it every day. And she was able to tell Robin, I'm pregnant now and I've been pregnant for only about a week or so. And then they go back to storyboard. So I could see it maybe fitting it just seems Yeah. Like, a little difficult to squeeze all of that together to say she's two months. And then again, when you say about two months, that could also mean two and a half months, which it gives could. us an extra couple of weeks. Or yeah. could be an incorrect estimation.
1: Yeah. And if it's in dialogue, it's worse than a typo in your
0: <laughs> caption. <laughs> we shouldn't acknowledge that anymore because it will be fixed. It will be fixed. On the Blu-rays and DVDs, which you'll be able to buy from our website at oncepodcast.com <laughs> eventually when they're available. So Hook decides to do a classic trust fall to uh greatly exaggerated height. I don't height.
1: think it was classic. I think it was simply exaggerated. Yeah. But you're right. It was a trust fall. Okay. Don't do this anywhere i was gonna say at home but
0: don't do it anywhere he mentioned barnaby (laughs) and edgar going through the rings yeah and i tried to look up some things about them i couldn't really find anything i know uh, edgar Allan poe wrote something about a sailor or but uh edgar The sailor. I can't really find anything about that. (laughs) And Barnaby and One Hand Jones. I couldn't find much there. We
1: know everything about Edgar we need to know. He was drinking the captain's wine. What a scallywag. Yeah. So he's gone and his ring is with us on Hook's hand. The funny thing is, the mention of his brother Liam, I realized a, a face flashed in my mind. And then I realized, no, that wasn't once upon a time. That brother Liam... Was lost. <laughs> that was Charlie's brother Liam, who gave Charlie a ring that said DS, which they decided meant the name of their band, Driveshaft. Oh. So, for whatever that's worth, oh, it's your nice. last moment of the night. Brothers Liam giving rings to brothers who
0: are main characters. Nice. Wow, you all, everybody, Jeremy. <laughs> 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 when Emma brought Hook back to her house or really it's hook's house i guess and they had this kiss again it reminded me now that we know how things actually have been in storybook it makes perfect sense why true love's kiss never worked between hook and emma in breaking the curse because hook was a dark one himself because they
1: were cursed
0: so a dark (laughs) one sharing a true love's kiss with a dark one breaks no curse apparently
1: apparently huh that makes lots of sense
0: And Emma said that he would do everything in his power to stop Emma from going through with this. That makes me wonder, is she saying that because that's what he did back in Camelot? That he then started going on this rampage to prevent Emma from taking away the Dark One magic. With Zelina in the hospital, it was great to see Dr. Whale again.
1: (laughs) That whole scene was so great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it seemed like even Robin wanted to laugh at some of this stuff. Like,
1: we now interrupt this high drama to bring you goofiness with Doctor Whale.
0: What's with the dye job? Come on, you know you like it. Yeah, uh, David (laughs) Anders, who plays Doctor Whale, is a major character on iZombie. So go watch him over there if you'd like. And he's got that hairstyle over there. So bringing it here on Once Upon a Time. Okay, it's carryover, but uh, the way that they explain it away just brilliant Mm. i thought that's that's great instead of just excusing it hiding it just pretending that his hair (laughs) isn't any different but bringing it out and what a perfect character to have fun with that point of what (laughs) emma changes and i can't change
1: (laughs) besides people did say things when emma changed her hair especially if he's referring to the dark one change (laughs) people said a lot of things
0: but of course there's a spell that requires a baby or something from a baby.
1: Now, where did they get that idea? Because it seems to have been a red
0: herring. Right.
1: Well, and I don't mean the spell required a red herring.
0: I think from Merlin's spell book. Hmm.
1: It just felt very much like Emma might have set them up to think that they needed the baby or that she needed the baby. Maybe.
0: But I think the whole baby thing was to emma more an inconvenience and that's why she sped up the pregnancy which i agree with matthew paul he said this earlier in our chat uh that the sped up pregnancy thing is kind of one of the stupidest or strangest things that we've seen you think so i mean don't make
1: me think too hard about that i really (laughs) i don't
0: have problems with the taser well, you don't have problems with the taser. The sped-up pregnancy. That's, well, not stupid. I, I won't say that because I do like the show, so I'm not going to call it stupid. But <laughs> I think weird, odd. But I think the whole point of that was for Emma, she saw this baby as, here's, here's this human being mm-hmm. that I, I don't want to kill this human being here. It's an innocent victim of my plot. Mm-hmm. So I need to get this baby out. The way to do that is with dark magic to speed up the birth of the baby. Which, if they, if Emma used dark magic to speed up the birth of the baby, does that mean that nope. baby is somehow now imbued with some kind no, of dark magic?
1: No imbuing of the baby. The uh, so the thing the is, the Surgeon
0: General advises that pregnant <laughs> mothers should not imbue themselves with dark magic
1: or others, <laughs> or eat onion rings from the Dark One. So you've heard of dark magic and light magic and blood magic. Probably some other kinds of magic, but don't underestimate the power of fried magic. Onion rings, (laughs) to be precise. That's how this was accomplished. And that makes it make total sense. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry, but the Dark One conjuring onion rings, feeding them to Zelina, and the baby comes to full term rapidly. Makes so much more sense, even than what happened to Hook at the end of this episode, frankly. Uh, Okay. (laughs) At least I understand it, <laughs> you know, as much as one can understand these things. And but the, Isn't that funny, though? <sighs> Ooh, it's starting to hurt my brain, because Emma is such a different dark one than Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin was going to impale Henry, his own grandson, on some rocks. He wouldn't have cared that Selena was pregnant right. if he were going to do this. So, is this because of Emma's lightness in addition to the darkness or is this emma fighting the darkness whereas rumple didn't or what else could it possibly be
0: i think emma is in control she's not giving over to the darkness i Mm -hmm. think she's found a way to keep it in balance despite all the voices in her head but uh, yeah i certainly see her making better decisions or intending to do better things and mm-hmm. Rumpel and trying not to hurt innocent people like Zelina's right. baby. And so where, where that starts to actually hurt my brain
1: is that Rumpel brought to the whole thing of being a dark one a lot of things that were already in him. Beyond cowardice, he brought this sort of selfish nature. Yeah, and this, habits. Yeah, so taking the darkness out of him, I will contest one more time, does not make him capable of being... Some blank slate, pure hearted hero. Because he never was. He can be redeemed and be good, especially at this point. But that whole thing. So it's a girl. It's a girl. And it's a baby girl, actually, he specified. I'm glad that it wasn't <laughs> like a toddler girl because that would
0: have been difficult. This is not the curious case of Benjamin You Bundy. shouldn't
1: have finished those onion rings.
0: <laughs> but uh, I wonder what they're going to name the baby. Like, will Zelina have a say in that? I could see maybe something happening where Zelina does get killed. Marion. And Regina. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And Regina is there. And Zelina says something like, take care of my baby for me. Please name her. Something like that. Or maybe they even name the baby Zelina. And there'd be this like last makeup moment between Regina and Zelina where they finally reconcile their differences as Zelina is dying. No, that would be way too fast. I I know it would be too fast, but I could see something like... I could see them doing that on the show.
1: In fact, I kind of... I hated this moment a little bit because the look on Zelina's face was a little bit like, now are they going to take her from me? I thought. And... It would have been this good moment for Regina to be a good person and at least say something nice to Zelina. But before she could even have a chance, Zelina's like, now who's green with envy? Like, okay, I don't feel bad for you anymore. You just had a child and you're supposed to be life changing. And your first thought is, ha, look, that baby's mine, not yours. Yeah. So Zelina needs to go. I don't understand the mechanics, but I'm kind of all for Emma's plan. Is that bad? (laughs)
0: Well, Emma's plan, <laughs> and that's the next scene that occurred, is when Emma has Hook and Zelina in the basement. Basement cave. Emma's plan is to give Zelina all her magic, essentially making Zelina yeah. the new Dark One and apparently Hook's magic, too. Which I had misunderstood. And then kill her with Excalibur, just like apparently killing someone else with Excalibur when they were the Dark One might have... Killed the darkness forever. The thing is that first challenged me is I was thinking, well, Merlin was going to use the dagger to sever himself from the immortality and the magic. He wanted yes. to give it up. He wanted to cleave himself from the magic. <laughs> so why can't they? They can't. because Because of tethering.: Merlin did say back in Camelot, he did say, if there are two dark ones, then it's a steeper price to pay in order to rid them of the darkness of course it is hmm so yeah they're they're raising the ante here
1: so and then there's the question of okay so all the darkness is in selena which um tell me how they have the power or how emma has the power even with excalibur to make that transfer number one and then number two, how does killing Zelina with Excalibur not just make Emma the Dark One again?
0: Because this is Excalibur. Well, oh. It's not the dagger. <laughs> okay. It's Excalibur, full Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. Which is the item that gave Merlin and the Dark Ones their magic in the first place. Yeah. So maybe okay. there's something about killing the vessel with the item that gave them the magic, the full yeah. item instead of just passing on the magic, actually ends the magic.
1: Emma should have just reformed Excalibur into... A cork. Yeah. Nope. Into the grail
0: and let Hook drink from that. She couldn't because there wasn't enough time to. Hook was dying. Yeah. Well, all right then. They did bring up a point of getting Merlin's help and Emma made it obvious that Merlin can't help. So I want to know why. I've got two basic ideas on that. One is that, like I said earlier, maybe he's the one who cast the curse, or whatever this was, that sent everyone here. I think Merlin, though, can travel between realms without casting a curse. But whatever it was that he (laughs) did to send everyone here, he sacrificed himself to do it. So he's dead. The other theory also makes him dead (laughs) is that maybe Dark One Hook killed Merlin.
1: Yeah, he might have. You got my brain spinning, though. The Apprentice could realm jump by making a door. Just Mm -hmm. making a door. Right. If the Apprentice can do that, and if Merlin can do that, and the Dark One got its power from the same source as Merlin, and then the Dark One, then Rumpelstiltskin became the Dark One, where did the whole premise for this show come from? Why can't he just travel between
0: realms? Because there's <laughs> apparently some magic that the Dark Ones can't wield. Mm. But that Merlin, not having given over to the Dark Side, can.
1: Mm. All
0: right. <laughs> so all this stuff starts happening then at Emma's, and it goes back and forth between several scenes. But <laughs>
1: Did but, you catch that this time they enchanted Zelina's wrist so that she couldn't cut it off again? Yeah. Nice. I mean, when you...
0: Did they think about the shoulder? She could cut it off at the shoulder. Or the torso. or Yeah. It's nice that they covered their bases like that, just to make that point that it couldn't happen. But maybe Zelina's enchanting herself because she then immediately is thin and feeling great. And she just gave birth. Literally, like, minutes before this is happening.
1: Yeah, somebody was mentioning Sunday night... In the initial reaction chat, that that made her as a mother feel very upset, and I told her not to worry because it's just a glamour.
0: Yeah, I did wonder if maybe Zelena could sense Hook's dark magic when she had the the cuff removed. Eh, maybe. I I don't think anybody was sensing anything. But like you said earlier, maybe it was that she discovered that dream catcher and thought, oh, I wonder what this is. (gasps) Oh, that's what this is. She was trying to escape and get back to her baby,
1: but she got sidetracked by all these interesting dream catchers in a barn, and she plucked one down, watched it in fast forward, and went, oh, wow, this is totally relevant, and went back in the
0: house. Yeah, because before she left, she seemed to have no idea that Hook was (laughs) the Dark One.
1: (laughs) She sees the glowing outside she says, oh, good, she's busy. (laughs) 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 Which, what was that glowing doing? <laughs> yes, what happened did did Emma freeze the town? I don't, because it radiated out. She yeah. put Excalibur in the ground kind of or pointed it to the ground and it sort of like the rainbow frouche, but it kind of was like a slow golden frouche. It was sort of like a ground-based version of what it looked like when Cora set off the dome. Yeah. And and it definitely sort of coated Everybody that was standing in front of her and they kind of showed it just sort of finishing up, like joining itself on Regina's face, almost like they absorbed it. But then everything was kind of glowing and they weren't moving. And I wonder how far that went.
0: Yeah, I think initially that it was simply a protection spell of sorts around her house. I don't think she would freeze the entire town. Maybe not. But then why would she need to drive the sword down to the ground like that? If it's simply that she's freezing the couple people in front of her. It did seem like that's a big motion for such a little action or little result. Maybe she did freeze the entire town. I like your thinking there.
1: Yeah, I think she may have. Even the clock. I wonder if it was (laughs) 8.15.
0: Of course it was. (laughs) I don't know, but it probably was. That dream catcher that Zelina found and that had Hook's memories. Uh huh. We've seen that before.
1: Well, they're all basically the same dream catcher.
0: Yeah, they look very much the same, <laughs> but now I think this makes a lot more sense. Previously, we thought the dream catcher Emma was crying over was the one that showed her ripping out Violet's heart. But yeah. now it makes much more sense that it was. This one, oh. showing Hook's memories, and she was crying oh. over losing her love and over what happened in Camelot. She did a worse thing
1: than ripping out Violet's heart.
0: Yeah. Because remember, everything she's doing is because of that memory. So it would make sense that she would go back to that memory, look at it again, and cry, realizing, I'm doing this all because of this. Oh. We got some great feedback here on where we're left with this episode. Alina Harris said Once Hook gets over the shock of being a dark one, he's going to sacrifice himself to save Emma and himself from the darkness by killing himself with Excalibur. And the second half will be Emma trying to get him back from the underworld. That could be interesting if we go to the underworld in the second half of the season. And don't forget, we do have another half of this same season after this winter hiatus
1: yeah the and the, the underworld was mentioned again recently i mean am i the only one who's not super excited about seeing anything to do with the underworld or an underworld or worse for this story the possibility of in a sense bringing people back from the dead i know
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, and we've seen, speaking of Underworld, we've seen in the next episode, which we'll be talking about in our next episode of the podcast, uh, the episode that aired on the same night. I will said, no spoilers. Yeah, so what are you not, doing? Not necessarily a spoiler, <laughs> but uh, just in case you haven't seen it, I'll just put it this way, is someone does talk to someone who's in the Underworld. That might even be what I was thinking of. We've seen that happen a, one other way before, but that was with a different thing. Laura Silva said, I don't think Hook all of the sudden went dark as soon as he found out about being a dark one himself. He was angry with Emma for turning him into a dark one, especially when he saw himself pleading with Emma to let him go. She defied his wishes. I mean, to be fair, I would too because he's such a caring partner. She was lying or withholding the truth from him and she was going to murder Zelina. It should be heroes don't murder, not heroes don't kill. It left on a cliffhanger, so we don't know what Hook means by take care of her first. It could just mean lock her up while I cry in a corner.
1: Yeah, I'm not thrilled with the menacing. Gotta take care of her first. Like we said, now I do feel that they were trying to imply that his memories were actually fully returned to him. As in reintegrated, not just he was reminded of what he forgot by seeing it in a video
0: form, but he has his memories back. At least up to what's been shown, because there is more for him to catch up on. Oh, true, true, true. So it's kind of like copying files from a drive. (laughs) They just haven't all been copied yet. Right. Some
1: fragmentation or corruption, possibly even. But, uh, yeah simple memory should probably not be enough to just sort of turn him evil I, either he was or he wasn't
0: i think they might have been pushing it a little bit to try to make it into a cliffhanger when it mm-hmm. wasn't really that much of one but just think about it to say we need to take care of her first or she's we need to take awkward. care of her first with dramatic cliffhanger music <laughs> in the background it means two very different things right even if it's said the same way right So I think that what we're going to see is that we need to take care of her first is not the way that they're overemphasizing it as a cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. but it will be something nicer when we come back. Yeah, I got a question.
1: Why did Emma have the squid ink?
0: She stole it from gold. Why? Probably because she didn't want anyone to be able to Mm. freeze her.
1: Yeah, that's probably why he had it too. He said it was for a rainy day. He
0: saves a lot of things
1: for rainy days. I think they're definitely always saving squidding for a rainy day.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of rainy days, I hate to rain on the parade of this discussion, but this does conclude our discussion of this episode of Once Upon a Time. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 220 or join our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. The great thing about the forums is is that's where you can go and start your own conversations. Instead of replying to what we share in the podcast, you can start your own conversations, share your own theories over there, get other people's feedback. It's a great place to go. It's really a community that we have over at oncepodcast.com. And when you click on the forums link over there, it's free to join, completely free, and very easy to join, and a great community over there. So check it out. And... Also go to oncepodcast.com slash 220 to share this episode out with your friends and family. We would really appreciate it if you do that. Click on those buttons to share the episode out on Twitter, Facebook, StumbleUpon, Google+, anywhere you'd like to, and we would really appreciate that. Something we're really grateful for that you've done for us kindly, is reviewed us in iTunes. And we get reviews from all kinds of countries in iTunes. And if you're a podcaster and you're interested in getting all of your international podcast reviews automatically emailed to you on a regular basis, mypodcastreviews.com. It's a service I created for podcasters. But (laughs) we got a review from Vietnam. That's awesome. Did you say good morning? Good morning, Vietnam. (laughs) Kane CXDT said... Awesome podcast. There are many Once Upon a Time related podcasts out there, but this is by far my favorite. I've listened and downloaded every episode of it, and I still can't get enough of it. The level of detail that these guys get into just enlightens me with new things that I would have never thought of or noticed. It feels like I have found the holy grail of Once Upon a Time podcast.
1: Oh, gosh. That was the other name we were going to go with for the podcast.
0: (laughs) The Holy Grail cast. (laughs) Thank you very much for that kind review, Kane. And if you haven't reviewed us yet in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us, then please go to oncepodcast.com and click on the appropriate button on the website to subscribe or review the podcast. It really encourages us and it helps people find the podcast as well. And even if you're in a different country, we can see the review like we saw this review from Vietnam because I use my podcast reviews myself. I created the product, I use the product. I'm my own customer. It's a cool product. He's not only the
1: president, he's also a client.
0: Exactly. So thank you very much for the kind review in iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. So please do send us your feedback on the upcoming episodes of Once Upon a Time. I know it's going to be a long couple weeks before we have the next episode, but it will be back on Sunday, (laughs) November 29th, and then Sunday, December 6th, will be the mid-season winter finale. Then we have the really long hiatus. Sorry to be a downer. It's winter in up. so many ways. <laughs> but there will be uh, some things that we'll be working on doing during that time. The costume contest is open for voting now. Voting is open until Thanksgiving Day. So please go over to oncepodcast.com slash contest to vote for your favorite costumes over there. And there's some incredible creativity over there. And... Connect with us on Twitter as we'll be sharing special announcements, things we find, and when podcast episodes go live and such by following us at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle.
1: I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N.
0: And also follow our fellow co-host Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz since she couldn't be here tonight. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers who help make episode after episode a reality with us and for us. So special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Keb managing our timeline, and my fellow co-hosts Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline doing this podcast with me. And until next time, remember, when the dark one brings you onion rings, don't eat them. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and keep the podcast going, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.
2: Hi, Onesos. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's kind of spoiler time for Once Podcast. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. Episode 510, Broken Heart, will be airing on November 29th. And that's about all I have for (laughs) you. Pretty much. um, ABC... During
3: this two-week break, they tend to not give out the synopsis or any of the photos or anything that we normally would have for you until next, next week, week, unfortunately. And we won't have a podcast then. So, so yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot for you.
2: You can check the forums next week, probably on, I'm going to guess, Tuesday or Wednesday. They should have yep. all that information out just before the American Thanksgiving. So you can go online and read what we would have just told you instead.
3: Yep. But we did get a promo. We did. Obviously, it starts off with two weeks from tonight. And it's going to revolve around people finding out that Emma has turned Hook into a dark one. Yes. It's about time. It's Mm -hmm. Yes. That revelation is going to come to light. Merida is in that episode because we do see her shooting arrows at Hook's head. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is going to be Hook versus Rumple. Hook does challenge Rumple to a duel, and they have a fight on the deck of the Jolly Roger. And we had set photos from that right. when they were filming. And then wasn't that when we thought that it said Hook's name on it, too? Exactly. We, so we knew ahead of time that the sword said Killian Jones on it and said Emma Swan on yes. it as well. And then one last little bit of dialogue from the promo we got is that Hook tells Emma he wants to hurt her
2: like she hurt him. In my head, though, he ki- she kind of saved him. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but we did get a little bit of information from Eddie Kitsis about Emma turning Hook dark, which I yeah. think that they're going to talk a lot about in this next episode. Pretty much everyone is not pleased that she did this. And the person who's going to be the least pleased is Hook. Because the thing he hates most in the world is the Dark One, or Crocodile, as he likes to call him, because he took Crocodile, or Rumpelstiltskin, took everything away from him, and now Emma has turned him into the one thing that he hates. And worse than that for him, we've seen Emma really, really struggle with resisting the darkness, but Hook knows after centuries of being a pirate, he does not have her willpower. You can't sneak an alcoholic alcohol and expect him not to drink. That's according to Eddie Kitsis. So all of this is going to play out, and it's really going to test their relationship and their love. And I suspect we'll see quite a bit
3: of that in the next episode.
2: Yeah, I believe most of it will probably be that broken heart kind of
3: story. Yeah, yeah. now we kind of know maybe why the episode is called Broken Heart. It's possible that there's a lot of romance angst in this one.
2: I'm going to guess
3: that. So we have a couple other photos, um, (laughs) because they are still shooting, they have moved forward. They're actually on episode 513 right now. Probably almost done with it, actually. Yes, I would figure. And just a couple of photos that we have. Um, we ha- do have the yellow bug, Emma's yellow bug, that is burned out. We talked about that a little last time. And it's starting to look more and more like they are in the underworld, but that the underworld looks like storybrook But there are a couple things that are different. People are noticing different signs on the buildings. Um, And that everything, you know, you've got the clock tower actually sunk into the ground and everything. Any given
2: Sunday is closed.
3: Yeah. So I'm thinking that it's the underworld, but it looks like Storybrooke, but different. And then there were some new people wandering around set during Uh episode 513. They were mostly shooting with Mary Margaret. Right. um, Who had her bow and arrow. It was a young man and a young woman. And then actually we got the casting for them after we saw them. Yes. So Jonathan Whitesell is going to be playing Hercules. Mm-hmm. And he, he is a cutie. He's cutie. And he's a newbie he's, to the whole.
2: He is. I was doing research on him and he really only has like 10 credits to his name. Yeah. So this is probably a, a big deal for him. And they're all recent credits, too, because he's, he's going to do a guest appearance in the new X-Files TV show, The 100 and Zombie. Hmm. And then we have Casey Roll as
3: Meg from Disney's Hercules. And she's been in a few things like Red Riding Hood, Hannibal, and Supernatural. Yes. And so, yeah, they were on set with Jenny Goodwin, uh, Mary Margaret, carrying around, it looks like, maybe, I don't know, do we think
2: Hercules and Snow White know each other? I think they do. And I will get to that after we talk about this because yeah. of the last casting call. But I think they know each other. So do I. Hercules was seen carrying big, heavy anchors around like they were nothing. Right.
3: So he's obviously a strong man. If you guys know the mythology of Hercules. If not, go
2: read up on him.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And then the other stuff that we had from 513 is Emma is back in her red leather jacket with her blonde hair. So obviously the Dark One curse for Emma Swan will end at the end of this arc. Yes.
2: So we're going to move on to this really cool casting news that we got. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, me too. Our favorite little Snow White, Bailey Madison, is returning. Yeah. So (laughs) she's going to be in episode 13 with Hercules and Meg in Labor of Love. And that is why I think that Hercules and Snow White know each other. Yes, I think the same thing. And there's been a little bit of speculation
3: as to whether or not Hercules and Snow White know each other because they were taught how to shoot bows and arrows together, maybe. If you guys have seen the movie Hercules, you guys probably remember Phil, Philoctetes, Yes. Who taught Hercules um, how to be a hero. Well, in Greek mythology, he's actually known for being a really superior archer. Okay. Yeah, so I'm wondering if he taught Hercules and Little Snow how to shoot bows and arrows.
2: That'd be really cool. Yeah. So that's pretty much most of
3: the spoilers we have for you this week. Yeah, those are our spoilers. We do have... A bit of news. Yes, exciting that, news. Exciting news that is not a spoiler. Josh Dallas and Jennifer Goodwin are expecting baby number two. Yay. So I think this time around they are probably going to hide it instead of
2: writing it into the show. I, Me too, because it would be too soon for Prince Neil to have a little sibling. Yeah. So be prepared to see a lot of shots of Jennifer from the neck up. Yeah. Holding something in front of her, standing behind counters and probably wearing big cloaks.
3: Yep. In fact, those photos from 513, she's wearing a very large purple coat. Yes. So they're going to be hiding it, I think. And now that you know, it'll be really fun
2: to watch. Right. <laughs> it will. I think it is. Whenever I see it in TV shows, I'm always like, you can tell she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at TravelingPixie. I changed um, it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so if you were following me before, you will still be able to follow me. I just switched my name. And
3: I'm Jacqueline. And you can still follow me on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. Until
2: next time, monsters.